I'm Gab, he's Jules, gorgeous blue skies over West London, less so over North London, maybe some people, because yeah. Antonio Conte is gone, Gone. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann, gone. gone, we'll be talking about that on the show, you can be sure, we'll, we'll start with Conte, because that is certainly the fresher story, yeah. news breaking last night around 10 o'clock local time, yeah. something like that, Jules, um, Antonio Conte and Tottenham part ways by mutual consent, now, for those who weren't paying attention, there, there's 10 games to go in the season. They're still in fourth place, but Newcastle have games in hand over them, as do Liverpool, who are a little bit further behind. Um, on the back of Conte's incredible rant, where he accused the players of being selfish. Uh, Conte had then traveled to Italy uh, for the international break. He stayed in Italy while they were kind of negotiating. Now, I'm not so surprised that he's gone. What surprised me, maybe shouldn't surprise us, is we assumed Ryan Mason was going to take over, yeah. but he's not. He's the assistant coach. Ryan Mason was part of the staff. Christian Stellini, who was Conte's number two, is staying. So is, I believe, most of Conte's staff. Not yeah. all of it. Something's still 2BD. I'm not sure what his brother's going to do. What do we read into this? It's interesting because usually when you sack your, your manager, he, he, I mean, he arrives usually with his staff, he lives with his staff, you pay compensation to all his assistant coaches, video analysis coaches, fitness right. coaches, goalkeeping, all, all, all sorts. Is it the, in this case the fact that Ryan Mason would have found himself on his own, basically, maybe with the staff from the under, for the reserve team or the under-19, but basically Ryan Mason would have been the only one left, had Conte... You know, left with all his all his stuff. I I don't know. Maybe that's the but reason. Maybe they were happy with Stellini, the job that he did. Not so much in the FA Cup, but certainly well, in the league. You know, Stellini was well, in charge when they beat Man City. Yeah, I'm gonna let you know a secret. When they when they played that shadow lineup in the FA Cup, it wasn't Stellini. No, no, of course, lineup, but neither obviously. was against City. He was on the bench, but you know, but still. Well, but I think the players like him. So maybe you say, hey, stay ten, stay ten games. And then in the summer, we have a new manager. You can go, go back with Conte and wherever Conte goes, you would think he would take Stellini with him still. This is interesting to me because... So Stellini is not Conte's longtime assistant. No. He started working with Conte uh, at Inter. Um, this tells me that by and large, in terms of how prepared the players were, uh, their coaching, uh, you know, the way they, they were coaching, the way they are doing the training sessions, they're substantially happy because yeah. let's let people in on a secret... Premier League teams, yeah, the manager's obviously important and he sets the culture and whatever and makes the changes. But the training sessions, the one-on-one work is done by the staff. That is who the staff see every time. Yeah. It's the first-team coach, right? So they would have seen Stellini and Mason. So there's a certain continuity there, yeah. which to me suggests that the issue is really just is really just Conte and maybe how, as many people have suggested, he didn't want to go back. Yeah. Uh, and I guarantee you, before you go on, that... Daniel Levy would have spoken to Lloris, to Kane, to Dyer, probably to Hoiberg, I think, saying, OK, what do you make of Stellini? Is, is, can Stellini do it over 10 games? Would you be happy with him staying on? All that kind of stuff. And the players surely, surely took also part in that decision making. I, I, I think you're right. I think 100%. Without, if, if the players said, no, we don't like Stellini, we, we know, whatever, then Stellini would have been him, gone. Yeah, or or we don't trust him. Whatever, yeah. He's too loyal to Conte or whatever. Um, the backdrop to this, obviously, Conte's contract expiring at the end of the season. Yeah. Spurs do have, they, they, they had the option of another year, but Conte's always made it clear, and I think that option for another year is just window dressing. It's just insurance for Spurs in the scenario where Conte had done really well, exactly. and then Real Madrid comes in and said, oh, look, you got another year, pay us compensation, yeah. right? Rather than him just walking. Completely. So we, we, I think we can knock that on the head. The issue now is who replaces him. Obviously, Julian Nagelsmann's on the market. Everybody's losing their minds over this. Fine. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get into that in the second segment of the show. Um, the other names are the same names, I feel, like before. Mauricio Pochettino, who yeah. let it be known again through his friend who speaks to the media on his yeah. behalf, we both like, uh, that, oh, I would take the job on a permanent I'm basis. Happy to be back. To come back. Uh, we obviously, Thomas Frank's been mentioned. Yeah. Did Zerbi's been mentioned. Tuchel was mentioned, but now yeah. he's busy. Luis Enrique. Comes into mix. Luis Enrique as well. Luis Enrique. Now, for me personally, um, just based on, we're going to get into this more on the Gavin Jules podcast. Off the top of my head, I think Spurs have to be slightly careful here. If you go for a big, big manager, 
And then we say, oh, you have to commit and stuff. You have to put up with his quirks and foibles. Yeah. When I, Nagelsmann and Luis Enrique, I think, are both geniuses. Yeah. But they have flaws like yeah, everybody else. They sometimes. have foibles. Yeah. Uh, think long and hard before you go down that route. Because if you do commit to that, you have to commit. But if you, if you, build, if you, if you hire someone who you will let time to build... There will be up and downs in your relationship for sure over four or yeah. five years, like there was with Poch. It won't be all rosy, so you'd have it, to take that. I think the difference being Poch maybe a little bit humbled by what happened. Poch knows it. So you know what was fascinating is that obviously we had two big clubs. Spurs is a big club, changing managers pretty much at the same time. Bayern and and, and Spurs. One Bayern went straight with already the successor to Nagelsmann in Tuchel. So thinking clearly there's a benefit in not having an interim coach, which is going straight for a new number one for the remaining games in the season, the title race, Champions League, etc. Spurs decided to go, obviously, a very different direction by having an interim instead of trying to name now a Luis Enrique, a Nagelsmann, a whoever, as the number one to finish the season and then already prepare for next season. Is that which which one is best? Or I know the different context because Bayern has so much to play for more than Spurs. Yeah, I don't know. Spurs have a lot to play yeah, for. But Spurs can win yeah. trouble. Bayern yeah. still can. No, no, I, I I I get that. But I mean, given where they wanted their season objectives, both have a ton to play for. True, because there's one, a point to make that why Spurs are not choosing the number one and instead going for an interim. One thousand percent, the person making the correct choice, in my view, is Spurs. 1,000%. Whether, in terms of going for an interim boss. Now, whether you keep Stellini and, and uh, that's Mason, a whole other issue, yeah. right? Uh, but whether you appoint Mason, we meet somebody else and take your time. Take your time. Presumably, you're already preparing for this because you know that Conte hasn't wanted to extend his, con- to extend his contract, right? Yeah. So you already... But rather than parachute somebody in, because if you're Spurs, if you parachute somebody else in, and name in the permanent manager, and they screw up these games. Yeah, right? I mean, maybe it's not their fault because yeah, they're but, whatever, right? I think you're in trouble. You're no, they don't start out with a clean break. They're rushing into it. The kind of guys that they went that, that they were looking at, right? But let's not forget who the candidates were, right? These are the bookies candidates. They're not mine. I, I'm not saying these are people, right? But you have Luis Enrique, who let's face it is a curious character. Yeah, right. Has nothing to do, so he could have come I, now. As well as in July, he can you can appoint him now, but let somebody else run the team so he can try to learn the league, maybe right. Um, Thomas Frank and Roberto de Zerbi. Yeah. There's no way Good unless you go and you just write a massive check straight away, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you kidnap them or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, so they would have kind of effectively been out of your running. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other ones, obviously, Poch can come now. Poch could come now. But I think you want to give yourself the best possible chance. And I think now you sit, you plan, you have, so to speak, a cheaper option. Because I think Frank and the Zerbi, if you pursue them, are going to be, even though you have to pay compensation, are going to be cheaper options, both in terms of what they're going to demand from the club in terms of investment yeah. and the own wages their own, and stuff, their own yeah. wages. Pochettino is the returning option, which is fine. Uh, Luis Enrique, I think, is the moonshot. Because if you bring in Luis Enrique, you're saying... We're going to go in a completely different direction, and Nagelsmann too. Yeah, I mean th- these are kind of defining ten-year, you know, fundamental, both unusual characters. The other thing you need to decide: Fabio Paratici still has a contract. Yeah, and his situation's up in the air. So that has to be part of your thinking because you may need to think succession in terms of Paratici as well. True, um, but you can let that go in the sense that if his sanction is confirmed. If his ban is extended to worldwide, every planet, then that has made it easy for you, basically. Right. To say like, and if it's not, though, there's a yeah. question of do but you then, still then want you address him? It. Yeah, you address it. But he can work without content. We said that many times. No, no, he can, but so, do Spurs want him? Yeah, true. which Because like, he's getting true. blame as well. So I, I think you give yourself time. You take a step back and you have the best possible. Plus, not to mention the other obvious thing, some of these guys are going to want to know, hey, Am I going to be playing Champions League yeah, football yeah, for sure. next year or not? But you also know that if Stellini and Mason don't start well and we're going to go through the schedule a bit, then people will start saying like, well, you see, maybe had you appointed a real number right. one, like a Pochettino, like etc., etc., et then maybe the result... And if you miss out on top yeah, you four, know what? But the, sorry, it the, works in both ways. 
Now, so the people who say, oh, if you had appointed a real successor, then uh, you would have had a better shot of making the Champions League. That's the kind of knee-jerk idiocy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a Muppet would say that, right? But, but don't tell what? me that Pochettino doesn't have more experience than Stellini, for example. You can't and tell me I'm, right now that Stellini is sure to have better results in the next I'm, 10 games than Pochettino I'm sure he had. does. But the benefits of getting Pochettino's experience for 10 games are, are, they are outweighed by the negatives of not having a, a comprehensive job search. They're outweighed by the negatives of what you would have to give Pochettino now, of, of, of the, the leverage that he would have in the negotiation to come in. All these things. Yeah. Take a breather, see where you are. We talked about the prospects of top four. Yeah. And, Jules, this is not the kind of schedule. All right, this is how I see it, right? So I'm not going to go through every game, but uh, the positives is... The positives are they've got head-to-heads against the teams against which they're competing. Yeah, um, they've got United at home. I know United. I think United are only one point ahead of them, but they have two games in hand. Whatever, they do. right? But you don't know what's going to happen, right? So they could be competing with United for top yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. They got United at home, which is good, right? Yeah. Six-pointer potentially, right? You pass yeah, them yeah, in the yeah, table, yeah. but then away from home they have Newcastle and they have Liverpool, yeah. and those three are back to back, by the way. So and that, they're that's all where, back to back. That's where the season would be. That is huge. Also, um, you know, obviously, United have a packed schedule, so maybe. But Liverpool, this is all they have to play for, for example, right? So this is going to decide it. And then after that, should it still be kind of touch and go, you're playing exactly the kind of, I always say this, right? Late in the season, the teams you don't want to play are the teams that are fighting for something, right? You want to play play Aston Villa. And unfortunately, they they do play Aston Villa, and they do play Brentford, who maybe won't be fighting for anything. That's true. But that's it, right? They've got, they've yet to play Everton. That's actually their next game. Away from home. Yeah. A Sean Deitch experience after he got a point uh, at Sanford Bridge. Yeah. And then later on, towards the end, they play Bournemouth, or they've got Bournemouth, I think they got Crystal Palace, and they have Leeds United. All away, final game of the season. All of these games, desperate, yeah. so much at stake. It, it feels it's uphill. Tricky. Yeah, no, it, it is. feels uphill. Yeah, it is, and I think it is, and I think you need to hit the ground running straight away. The players are going to come back now, one by one, from international duty, um, and Stellini will have little time to prepare for that Everton trip of course although it's a Monday night trip if I'm not mistaken so at least it's a bit more time than if he was playing at 12.30 on Saturday for example right, but Celini's going but to be preparing for it anyway he was already yeah, there he was preparing yeah, but it. you know what I mean like, he's been running get, the training sessions I know, but if you get your players back on the Wednesday it's better to be playing the Monday than yeah the no, of course of course so, but every manager good, but yeah, faces that right yeah yeah but yeah it's, it's tricky and especially as you said when we're preparing for the show what happens if he doesn't start well Already the pressure could mount very quickly. You don't win at Everton away, then you've got, then, then you play and you've got Brighton at home, and then that could go. You know, Deserby and Brighton can come and play you off the park in your own stadium, like Villa did, right. and Villa are nowhere near as good as Brighton, and then suddenly it becomes so toxic and right. everything, and then it's tough. Know. But is it? Do they have a better chance now? than they did 24 hours ago when Antonio Conte, with the baggage that he brings, was still there. I've, I've said to you before, I've said it on the FC show, most of that dressing room didn't want him anymore there. They, they felt something was broken. There was a fracture between him and, and most of the dressing room, let's put it that way. He still had some allies there, but overall, I think he's better for that dressing room that he's not there anymore. So my Maybe, understanding is, a shame. is completely different from yours, possibly because I speak to different people. Yeah, yeah, maybe, um, yeah. But nobody enjoys being called selfish. No. And nobody enjoys that, right? So I don't think anybody liked it. Um, I don't think it was a case of losing the dressing. I think there were people there who felt that with his emotional baggage, it's right that he went. Because, yeah. and this is something I'm going to get to, this has been a very tough year for him personally. He's had his surgery. Yeah. He's come out in public, which I don't want to deal in stereotypes, but for, you know, a macho man from the south of Italy to talk about how he misses, you know, his wife and, and, and daughter who yeah. stayed in Turin. Um, that's a big deal. For a guy like that to open up about how there might be stuff that's more important than football and work in life, you know, after the passing of Gianluca Vialli, yeah. Sinisa Mihailovic, both of whom he was close to, and most of all, and, perhaps, Giampiero Ventrone, yeah. who, you know, was Spurs' fitness coach. That is a big step. So we're seeing... 
I don't want to say you've said you've said before shift really in his in his personality yeah. and attitude. Yeah. I, look, he might have been introspective before, but now he's introspective in public. Yeah. Which is very very new. Um, as I understand it, the people who matter in the dressing room, the Dyer, Kane. Like it's Dyer, Kane, Yuri, and Hardberg. Right? There's no there's no running around. No, no, this, yeah, right? yeah. Those are the four. Right. I think at least two of those four. I think we're still on board and would have had no problem with him. But they also probably would have right? no problem that he was not there anymore. Well, one of them has no problem with anything ever because, <laughs> you know, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, where does this leave his legacy, though? Because if you want to be super cynical and super negative about Conte, you say, oh, look, it's a win-win. He can say, oh, I left this team. I took them to fourth place last year. I left them in fourth place, right? Yeah. If they then don't qualify... He can say, oh, look, I leave, and then they slide down the table. Yeah. If they do qualify, he can say, oh, look, it's my staff, yeah. the Union Mason, my guys, the team I built, yeah. the values I instilled in them, and they finished top four. So if you want to be really cynical, he can spin this into a win, yeah, win, 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 win. You're win. right. You're right. You're I right. think I would be dishonest. It would be, because this season has been, has been, hasn't been good enough, really. No. I think there's a lot of us who thought he could build on from the finale of last season when they just <laughs> overtook Arsenal to finish top four. Let's not forget, they spent £140 million on this squad yeah. for him. They signed 14 players. We can agree or disagree on Richarlison, Pedro Porro, Perisic, Kuruzewski, Bentancourt, all of that. Romero, maybe we can. Some of us will like them, some won't. The lack of creativity still in that squad. Some right. issues in the squad not addressed. I get it. 140 million euros yeah. a pound is a lot of money. No. And they play worse football this year than they played last year. Definitely. And I know we can go and point the finger at Hongmin Son and say, why aren't you as good as you were last year? Fine. Maybe that's on Conte, maybe that's on Son, whatever, right? Yeah. But overall, there is no question the football's far worse. Most of their analytics metrics are, are, are far Damn. worse. Yeah. And he's paid a lot of money to make the team play better. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, when, when people re-examine this and are honest, nobody's going to dispute the fact that he had a far worse season this year than he did last year. True, but what's crazy is that they beat City at home, they beat Chelsea at home, they draw away... Well, that's with, no great, that's no great shakes. No, 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 but you know what I mean? Still, <laughs> so they still... I think they are capable. Yeah. And yet, no. they have those incredible, terrible starts for most of the season, first half, when they 2 nil down at Bournemouth and things like that. And, and you just think like... Like there was never any control he feels from that team, like yeah, really struggling with the ball more than than ever. And maybe he shows that in a very difficult year, he was just not up for it. Maybe you know he can go back. Maybe a fitter Bentancur. Maybe if Basuma's never never gotten hurt, or if he'd just been yeah, better. Yeah, no, maybe, but with ifs, but, you know. But, but yeah, ifs, but what, like, who's going to take him now? Who's going to take Conte? Can he go to Inter? Could they sack Inzaghi and bring him back? Will he wait for the Juventus job once Allegri is gone? Well, the difficult thing, he now has a rep as somebody who not only earns a big salary, but makes a lot of demands that is difficult and doesn't yeah. stick around for long. And if he were coming off a high, right, then that would be fine. Then you would get a big team or a team, maybe a tear down, saying, oh, yeah, I'm ambitious, I want you. I think at this point with these demands, you might even need to take a step further back, not just take a pay cut, but also... Go to a team where the guy tells you, all right, you're going to have to work within these parameters. So it'll be interesting to see. I hope he's okay for his own yeah, mental me health too, because that is a big part of this piece. And I think it's one that a lot of people are, are, are maybe, maybe underestimating yeah. how big a role that plays. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough Spurs. Let's talk about the other big the managerial other change. Not right, saying this is less important. We're doing it second simply because it happened first. The Spurs yeah. one is fresher. Uh, Bayern parting ways with Julian Nagelsmann, and they've already appointed, in fact, today's his first day at work, Thomas Tuchel. Indeed. Now, I have very strong views on this. I have a column <laughs> about it. Um, the reasons. Yeah. The reasons why he's gone. Let's just get this out of the way, and then we'll get into what Tuchel can bring. Uh, number one, uh, even though they're still on track, and in fact, for the treble, uh, they weren't happy with the way um, with, with the results that they'd gotten, yeah. especially after the World Cup, the, World the, Cup the, the, right. the development of the team. Uh, they weren't happy with the way he was developing some of the younger players uh, on the team. Uh, there were some issues with the dressing room, some issues with discipline. Some players, he didn't like his style, didn't like his approach. He yeah. was just kind of too much of an outsider with the skateboard, the stupid blazers and stuff like that. Um, and then the last one, this is the only one I'm just going to go two-footed on because this is such a dumb reason. They didn't actually say this officially, but they got their friends in the media to put this yeah. out there. They said, ooh, we really, really like Thomas Tuchel. We tried to sign him in 2018 or 2019 or whenever it was, um, and we need to sign him immediately because otherwise he's gonna, he might sign for Real Madrid or Spurs. Now, the reason that is stupid and the reason you're a Muppet, if you believe that, <laughs> is, first of all, Real Madrid have a manager who's already That's under right. contract and whatever else. Um, if, you, if you're Thomas Tuchel and you really believe you have a legitimate shot at Real Madrid, which let me tell you right now, he does not. Yeah. Not now. No, no. Uh, you're going to wait for Real Madrid. And if you're buying and you believe, oh, he's top of Real Madrid's list, you know, you've obviously, you're either lying or you hit your head, right? Yeah. This is not... Uh, Spurs... The issue with Spurs is, let's see, if you're Thomas Tuchel, right? Spurs? Bayern. Spurs? <laughs> like, I, I say this with the greatest respect to Tottenham. You want to jump right back into the Premier League cauldron Definitely with the not. baggage from last time? No. Really? As opposed to going to Bayern? So that is a silly reason. Yeah. The other reasons, Jules, maybe we disagree a little bit. You think are valid reasons to abandon the 65 million euro project at this stage in midseason? Clearly, the money can't be an issue. Otherwise, they would not have sacked him like that. But it's true that you spend 30 million euros pretty much two years. The money is an issue. Otherwise, Robert Lewandowski would still be there. So let's not say the money can't be an issue. No, but clearly they don't mind paying 65 million euros off to him and his staff in compensation. However, where we disagree, I think some of the top three reasons that you mentioned for why they sacked him now are valid in the sense that I saw them live against PSG twice and we watched them every weekend on television and the football, the quality of the football wasn't there. I said to you when I came back the two times after the PSG game, when I said to you, first thing, but they should be playing so much better than what they are. And, and it's true, and it might not all be on Nagelsmann, but the lack of cohesion in that team defensively, I think that the, the XG against is like of the, the big clubs, if you want, in the big five leagues, they, it's one of the worst. One of the highest, yeah. It's like, and yeah, they, 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 they score and they create, all of that. But defensively, it's not, it's not good enough. And yes, you can do the trouble, but you can also look at it and say, like, Boy, for the first time in a long time, you're behind Dortmund at this stage of the season, mm-hmm. where there have been times in season under Pep Guardiola where you were 25 points ahead of them. In the Champions League, you face City and Pep Guardiola, and you're thinking, mm, I'm not sure Nagelsmann is ready for that kind of clash. And then the Pokal, okay, is the Pokal. So I can see why they took that decision, right. how drastic it is, okay, and the way that he was, the poor guy was king on holidays with his girlfriend. Does it need to happen now as opposed to a month from now? I but think we knew the discipline the... was an issue as well. We knew the lot of players in that dressing room didn't like him, that right. he didn't communicate enough. When people talk about dressing room, they are dressing room leaders. You have to decide who is going to be part of my future. Who is going to be part of it? The people who should matter most are Joshua Kimmich, yeah. Jamal Musiala, Matthijs De Ligt. These are the people. This is your future. I don't care if Thomas Muller is unhappy or if, 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 if Manuel Neuer limping around with his cast are okay. unhappy. You are not the future. Don't and f- I feel, if this is true... From what we understand, Kimmich came out very, very strongly in favor. We knew Kimmich was a yeah, yeah, yeah. loyalist, right? Maybe you're listening to the wrong people. I, and that would be my concern. Quickly on Tuchel, we're going to get more into this. They say, one of the things is, oh, we want to play attracting, attractive attacking football, right? Yeah. The, we know Tuchel can do that. And as you know, I am the biggest Tuchelista. But too. after what we saw Paris Saint-Germain yeah. and Chelsea, 
We didn't see that. We saw a team that defends well, but we didn't see that attractive attacking football. He created two very, very good defensive teams or defensive unit, if you want, especially when they didn't have the ball, of course. And yet with the ball, there were at times some good stuff. But I think mostly it was more when you don't have the ball, how to be solid, how to... The, the high press, I think, would be then recovering the ball high. But, but more than foremost, it would make them more solid. It's really interesting to see what Tuchel's um, state of mind is after the trauma. Because it yeah. was a trauma, what happened to him at Chelsea and, and what happened on and off the pitch yeah, in completely. those final months. Uh, first, game, forget, first game in charge, Saturday. Against the Dortmund. Classic against yeah. Borussia Dortmund. And then you got Freiburg in the cup. And then you have uh, Manchester City. All right, Jules, we're going to sort of project out what Thomas Tuchel can bring and winners and losers. Um, but I want to go back to one of the other big accusations against uh, Nagelsmann. This business with the development of, of youngsters. Yeah. So when Khan and uh, Hassan Has- uh, Salihamidzic spoke, they were generic about it. And by the way, I will say this about the two of them. They owned the decision. They came out and they yeah. spoke and they took questions on it, which seems obvious, but there are some people who, after they sack a manager, go and hide and they'll bring their decision. You know. So at least they went out there defended it. I think they own the decision. I think if it screws up, if it goes badly, I think I they'll be out of, yeah. out of jobs, yeah. especially Khan. Uh, Brazo seems to have a way of always like, you know, like, like those roaches under your thing. Like <laughs> he's, he's invulnerable. He's Teflon. Um, but, but this accusation about the development of younger players, I was really curious about this because it's not easy to develop young players at a big club. But when, when I look at this, the young players that we're talking about, right, so Ryan Gravenberch is the obvious one. Yeah. Because, um, you know, highly rated at IX, came over. 25 million. He's hardly played. Yeah. He's hardly played. Now, I would argue it's difficult to get on the pitch when your other midfielders at the start of the season, where Joshua Kimmich, who's obviously going to play every minute of every yeah. game if he's fit, uh, Goretzka, who you know has a good partnership with him, often he's moved Jamal Musiala into a, a deeper position. Who, you know, he's a really good established player. Early in the season, you had Sabitzer as well, uh, who he took, who, he took, who you know came with him from from Leipzig, now on loan at United. So this idea that he hasn't developed into the next Pogba or whatever the, the hanky was supposed to be, mm-hmm. I can live with that a little bit. The other names that they've that, that have been brought up, um, and again, they don't bring this up directly. Their friends in the media write the names for them. But it's two guys from the Bayern youth team who I'm not familiar yeah, with. One and yeah, another okay, one. Maybe these guys are really, really good, right? But let me tell you who. Oh, and the other one, Matthias Tell. Again, Matthias Tell. He's 17 years old. He's made 21 appearances this season. I, I don't. What were, you, were you thinking? Oh, we've sold Lewandowski. I mean, Let's play Matthijs Tell up front. He rarely started, to be fair. I think he could have had a few more starts. But yeah, he, he won't be too unhappy by his game. He's time. 17 years old. Yeah, but he's very, very good. Okay, yeah, but how, how many 17 year olds? No, no, no. Many. Floor, okay, that's fine. No, yeah, I know. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden he's a second coming. But the other ones, right? Matthijs Delix, a lot better than he was, right? Yeah. He certainly has grown. Jamal Musiala goes from strength to strength. Would he have done it if he under were under any manager? Under yeah. any manager, Sean Dyche is not going to find. But he, he certainly hasn't stunted um, yeah, yeah, no, Musiala's no. Uh, development. So then Stanisic, another one, right? Early in the season, whatever. He's been really good when he's played. Yeah. So when I look at this and I say, well, wait a minute. Who are we missing out? Know, what, what moves the needle here? I know, but you, you've been in this game for long enough to know that they will always going to find excuses. Up. Exactly. Okay, Which fine. Is fine. So, so this part of it is an excuse because I can, I can get you the development thing, right? I can get you, I, I can get the idea that even though we, as in Ollie and Brazo, we decided to get the club to give him a, by the way, they gave him a five-year contract, which is pretty much unprecedented for managers. Yeah. Right? Nobody gets a five-year contract, right? We made this massive commitment, and then we've decided that, oh, we got it wrong. We're not developing on the results and team. Yeah. But, uh, maybe I can give you that. But you, what, now you're going to attack him for the developing development the of the youngsters? It's the same issues as the two might have gone to Real Madrid. Okay, so, so we put we that in the same category I think as so. a nonsense Maybe Muppet not so excuse. much, because I can, I can see the point about Matistel to start with. The other two, not so sure. No. I don't know about Gravenberg. Attitude, maybe, to training, to Nagelsmann's yeah. discipline, to Nagelsmann's methods, all of oh. that. We're not always there on the training ground. But on what, the results side, does the fact that they sold Robert Lewandowski and didn't replace yeah, him or replace Yeah, but Nagelsmann was very happy to let 
Robert Lewandowski go. Did, did he say, I'm very happy to let Robert Lewandowski go, go without signing another center forward? When at my previous club, I had a whole gaggle on them from Paulson to Andre Silva to whatever. No, 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 maybe sudden, not. I'm going to readapt Sadio Mane. Did he say that? Well, I think he was on board with that because remember they didn't want to play with a proper number nine until quite late in the season. He started with that 4-2-2-2 with Mane and Muller and and Musiala playing behind and Coman and all of that not really wingers yeah, so because he rather than playing with, if, with Shupo Motang he said I'd rather play with these guys uh, who are good I'm, so, I'm really not sure that he wanted desperately a number 9 to replace Lewandowski I think he was happy to let Lewandowski go and do, and do what he had in mind which at the time was very, di- was very different and then Mane has also been injured too yeah yeah way. yeah no Sorry. but I think I think in the way Nagelsmann <laughs> I think like if Nagelsmann reflects on it and he's honest he will, he will see the flaws that he had in the last of 18 course. months I think he will also see the good things that he did, but but was he really when he sacked the goalkeeping coach? When he's you know when he sacked Manuel Neuer's best mate, could not he could he have maybe waited for the summer? And that's that's the thing about Nagelsmann. I think he's a genius. There's no doubt. I think tactically, he's you know, great, great mind. But you can't have it both ways. You don't think that Khan and Brazo were on board with the sacking? Yeah, no, maybe, maybe. Maybe they were. But I, so it's kind of like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think there's been a bit of a failing of, of the collective and the collective responsibility here. Um, unless, and I've floated this before, unless something happened that we do not know about, which is always the possibility. Unless there's something, we haven't heard Nagelsmann's version yet. Yeah. Unless some news comes no, out, maybe, which maybe. made it impossible for the club to continue, and they had to act now, which is always a possibility. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, Weird, unexpected things happen in football. Yeah, but for example, I was not too familiar with the story that Union Nagelsmann's girlfriend used to work for Bild covering Bayern Munich yeah. and the fact that now they're together, some, apparently again, one of the stories planted in the papers in Germany was that the dressing room was not too happy that there was a, a journalist, I'm not married, but living with Union Nagelsmann right. that, you know, maybe you talk to, etc., etc. It, it's and, funny because who is Mrs... Well, I don't think they were married, but who is... Thomas Tuchel's longtime companion, what did she do for a living? Yeah, exactly. So No, no, say it because people might not understand it. She was a she sports was, journalist, yeah? yeah? Exactly. Okay, no, no, so I'm just, just checking, Germany. right? Yeah, no, but, but same <laughs> so with this that. one good, that one bad. Come on. You know, right? Tuchel has had a flat in Munich for years now, okay? But where did he decide to go back and live a few, few weeks ago, yeah, a few months ago? walk his dog around the outside of the exactly. Sabinerstrasse. Like, all of that, feel a bit. Mm. Plus, he's so tall and lanky that you can you see him from far away. You know, like, <laughs> Munich is a pretty low-rise low city. Um, all right, so let's talk Tuchel. Because I think we've made the point of, you know, and we brought mental health with Conte. I think clearly Tuchel was not well. He no. was not well. As a, again, private issue. Yeah. There was the Abramovich departure. There was a moment when they could, you know, they, they weren't sure that they could make payroll. Yeah. Uh, they were forced to sell the club. All of a sudden. To drive the bus to take the team to a game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Boli and yeah. Bali show up with the thing. He has to be effectively, you know, the sporting director stroke chief scout because everybody at the club leaves or is sacked. Everybody, yeah. right? It literally, the summer is him and Boli. Yeah. And, and Bali, right? Um, and you saw his nervousness. You saw yeah. Right? We, we, so what we, game? I told you what was well, the Villa game at Stamford Bridge. I was at where was he didn't move from his. He stayed sat down literally the whole first hour of the game. It was well, so not him. What about the game against Spurs when with the handshake with, yeah, Conte, with Conte when he when he throws this absolute hissy fit? Yeah, now, that two two. You can blame Conte too for reacting the way he did, but that's not normal behavior no, either, right? Not. Like, so clearly he's been through a lot. Now, clearly, time off is good for everybody. It's regenerative. He's better. Yeah. But I go back to what we talked about before. Uh, and I'm a big Tuchelista, as you know, going back to mine. Yeah, and I love the creative attack. And, you know, there's a video that, of himself, which I think he did to promote himself back when he was, before he went to Dortmund, where he says, like, you know, Thomas Tuchel, rule breaker. And he talked about, like, putting out formations and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, he'd have 10 men, because, but it was the perfect formation. And, you know... We didn't see any of this creativity. We saw a lot of real... We saw some creativity with the pressing game. We saw a lot of real back-to-basics. And you can make the point that Paris Saint-Germain, no disrespect, bit of a zoo. You have the attacking players, what they needed when he came in, sort them out defensively, make them tougher to break down defensively, and don't worry, Mbappe and Neymar will sort something out at the other end, right? And he delivered that. 
Yeah. And then at Chelsea, leaking goals under Frank Lampard. Again, tighten up the defense. Um, but still, he didn't continue at Paris Saint-Germain for a reason. Yeah, because he, he could not work with Leonardo, the sporting director, anymore. And I said that on FC the other day as well. The dressing room, certainly to my knowledge, both at Chelsea and, and I don't know about Dortmund, but in Paris, liked him. The players liked him. They liked working with him. He has a really good, when he's in a good mood, good personality. I think the issues both with Bolyek, Bali and Leonardo in Paris were sort of outside of the sporting perimeter, if you want, the dressing room, etc. I don't think it's always easy to work with if you're above him. Sporting director, owners, chairman, president, whatever you want to call them. But I always, I kind of always knew that the dressing rooms were all on board with what, whatever he wanted to do. And the results were there. Okay, PSG, they lost the Champions League finals. Chelsea, they won the Champions League final. But he still took two different clubs in two Champions League finals in, in the space of... Two, year, two years, really. So, it's, so the result will be there. And I, I, I tweeted, and I know it was a little bit provocative. But as soon as he got the job at Bayern, I said, now watch him win the Champions League with Bayern. And watch him, you know, watch him beat Pep and City and all of that. Because I think that he can have, he can do that. Remember when he arrived at Chelsea, he beat Zidane and Simeone and Guardiola on the way to winning that Champions League. It was just... Yeah, in a COVID-affected season in weird circumstances. Yeah, of course. Let's also put that in context too, right? Maybe, but still, but still, but still. He's he's he's, he's a a big game manager, to be fair. So, what do we think? What changes do we think we'll see at Bayern? Okay, is there a back three? Would you go... If if you're him now, you know that Chelsea, for example, he transitioned very quickly to a back three and had great effects to it. Nagelsmann started a little bit a hybrid back three, back four. Would you continue like that? Do you go back to back three? Do you go four, three, three, for example, if you're too hard? So my issue with the back three at Bayern is eventually... From Bayern, these pieces don't fit, right? And I have to sacrifice... Whatever scenario I come up with, Thomas Muller isn't there. Yeah. Or Musiala isn't there, in which case I go with Muller, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I like the idea. I like the back three, and then you've got Davies on one side, and then you can look to, to, to rehabilitate, either try to rehabilitate Cancelo, who's a yeah. great player, um, or you can even go, you can try, you can put Leroy Sane there, you're going to have a position yeah. anyway, or, 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 or Coleman, and then, you know, whatever, uh, Kimi Goretzka, and then Musiala, and, you know, Mane, Nabri, whatever, or whatever you want, right? Not optimal because you don't have a center forward, but that's okay. Sorry, Eric McSam, you're only using you in certain situations. But the pieces don't fit. So can you make the right tweaks to make the pieces fit? Personally, what what I what I think he will do is actually to go stick with what we saw with the, the, the three and a half, if you like, yeah, yeah. what we called it. That kind of that kind of defense and have it effectively be a four two three one and and go from there, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I find it amazing that his first game against Dortmund in the Classic uh, when there's a point between them two against his former club, of course, not much time to work. But it's and in Munich. Said, it's in Munich, yeah, which is a big advantage. But still, and then after that, it would be the Pokal semi-final and then the Champions League quarter quarterfinal, I think. Quarterfinal, sorry, and then Champions League quarterfinal as well, first leg. All of that, uh, which is going to be crazy and. I guess he could not have turned them down. It was a dream of his, fair enough. But he's, he's arriving at a tough, tough time, to be fair. Final point about Bayern and managers. So since Hitzfeld left, they've made nine managerial appointments, right, including Heinkes, who you count twice because yeah. he came back twice. Um, of those nine, five. And by the way, that's nine managerial appointments in, I think, so, like, not many years, like yeah. 13, 14 years, which yeah, for a big club like is like, yeah, it's you know, a, lot. a club is supposed to, you know, some of those were people leaving or dying, but still. Um, this means they're going to have this, he's their fourth manager now, by the way, in four years. Uh, yeah. Tuchel. So they like Kovac halfway through the season, Carlo halfway through the season, but but they were well, earlier, they were earlier in the season, way earlier than this in yeah, March. They, well, they, they, they sat Carlo in September, which again yeah. made me think, all right, you knew last year, and like, am I not sacking over the summer? Exactly. Right? So they have this, this weird thing. But anyway, so they've had five who were former coaches or former players uh, at the club. And then they had four who were outsiders. Those four outsiders, one is Pep, obviously, who lasted yeah. three years and left and went off in a blaze of glory. The other three 
Carlo Ancelotti, now Nagelsmann, and uh, Louis van Gaal. Yeah. All three of them sacked mid-season. Yeah. I, to me, that's a serious breakdown. That, 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 that speaks yeah. to something, to this weird insider, outsider. Like, they don't want to be Liverpool's old boot room. They're like, oh, no, we want new ideas, blah, 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 percolating, right? But they only want it to a point because when the guy comes in after a while, they don't like they him don't anymore. Like, oh, no, yeah. we got to go back to the beginning, right? So it's um unusual situation, but it's going to be a great story. It's going to be great. Let's see. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, enough Tuchel. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. France beat up Holland. And Jules, it really couldn't have gone any better for Kylian Mbappe on his debut as captain. Yeah, wonderful win, 4-0. I mean, the Dutch were so bad. I mean, you know how much I don't like the Dutch guy as a manager, but like, they was, and then they had players missing, of course. No they won, they half a team. No, not all of them starting, uh, starters, but still... France were outstanding, starting on the front foot, scoring three goals in the first 21 minutes. They could have had more. Magnon, Magic Mike saving a penalty, which, as you know, uh, when we had Hugo Lloris as a, as a goalkeeper, didn't happen very often at all. So it looked just perfect. People are I'm very excited by this new era with Kylian as a man. I mean, you, you missed the best bit. It was him setting up Griezmann for the opening yeah, goal. So that that's... shows that... They, they, they love each other again. Yeah, and Griezmann has moved on from this disappointment exactly. to be the captain. But and and Kylian's press conferences are fun. You know, they're fun because he he, 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 he says what he thinks because he hides the alcoholic sponsors. Not so much that, but he says like, hey, you know, if you're French and you look at our team on paper, you think how can they not win the Euros? Here we go. You know what could go wrong now? England beat Ukraine two 0 at Wembley without breaking much of a sweat. Gab Hurricane scores again after becoming his country's all-time leading goal scorer on Thursday against Italy. Can you give some context, please? I, I think it's, it's a tremendous feat from Harry Kane. Um, I think he's kind of been taken for granted. If you look at the other all-time England goal scorers who are right up there, um, you know, you're talking about Wayne Rooney, yep. Gary Lineker, Bobby Trotton before my time, sorry. Um, Jimmy but, Greaves as well, who well, has the best ratio. Jimmy Greaves. Jimmy Greaves, game, game also before my time. Um, I think Harry Kane, you know, the game's evolved, but... Against the parameters of today, he's ridiculously good. Yeah. So against the parameters of yesteryear, he scored more goals. So I, I put those two things together, and I can only tip my hat to him. On the pitch, I didn't think Ukraine were particularly good. I don't no. think England needed to be particularly no. good. But you're aware that this England team has, I think, three outstanding players who have to be 100% certainties to start. And they are Jude Bellingham, uh, Harry Kane. And Bukayo Saka. What a goal by Saka. Uh, the personality, the ease is going to get better. So, no, I think England are a good place. I was a bit bored, to be fair. Now again, bored. It's me. international football. I mean, it I is what it is. But the good news is they play North Macedonia and Malta next. And if they beat them, then they could pretty much have qualified by June, yeah. which gives Southgate a whole year to go and figure out his issues. Yeah. It's only a friendly, fine. And. <laughs> Was that ridiculous guy playing for Brazil? But Morocco <laughs> beating Brazil 2-1 is a really big deal. It is. It, it's amazing. Well done again uh, to Walid Regragui, to the Moroccans, continuing what they did at the World Cup. They've not beaten Spain. They've beaten uh, Portugal. They've beaten Brazil. They've beaten Belgium. They've beaten the draw with Croatia. It was just, uh, they're on the run and it's incredible. It's good to see. It was their very much the strongest team possible. Uh, Ronnie, Brazil. I don't think, is part of Brazil. And Brazil was not. You're right, but, but you still had Casemiro there. You yeah, still had some Vinicius. Really good Vinicius yeah, played, well. of course, started. Um, so so it's, it's, it's one of those wins that I think a lot of people remember, even if it was just a friendly. And Gab, we can't talk about Brazil without talking about Carlo Ancelotti, of course. Hernando Rodriguez, the president of the Brazilian FA, even talked about him. Yeah, he said, oh, well, we haven't had official contact. And maybe, I don't know, I, don't know if, I didn't check if his nose got a little longer when he said yeah. that or not. 
But then he goes on and on. Oh, right now in Brazil, if you talk to any fan, you talk to any player, they all love Ancelotti. They would all love to have Ancelotti. I'm like, dude, you're the guy who does the hiring, yeah. and you're talking so openly about this. I know it's a different culture, but what this tells me is they really, really, yeah. really want it. It will happen, surely. No. I don't Leo know. I don't know. Who knows? Cristiano Ronaldo won his 197th and 198th international caps to break the men's international record. Um, and he also scored four goals in those games to break his own goal-scoring record and bring his total to 122. Jules, are you going to be blasé because it was no. only Liechtenstein and Luxembourg and be a Cristiano hater? They all count the same, Gav. Whoever you depend, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you, who you play and who you score against. Yeah, you can argue that it's probably easier to score against them than against better team. But he was there. He was the new Roberto Martinez era. Cristiano started the two games. I still think there are question marks and issues because once they play against better teams... This is, this is the million-dollar question. Exactly. Do you still start Is Roberto going to keep Cristiano in his plans once they play tougher teams or not? Because I heard Bernardo Silva talking after the Liechtenstein game saying, like, yeah, we're going to counter-press, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And yeah, everything that he was saying, Cristiano could not really feature in that, in that style of playing. So be interesting to see. There's a few more uh, months and weeks now before the next Portugal game, but it'd be very interesting to see for sure. After losing to England at home on Thursday, 2-1 Italy, bounce back with a 2-0 win away in Malta. Gab, other than the result, though, this wasn't great. No, it wasn't great. Um, obviously, the English team. Well, yeah. um, I think the first half was okay. The second half, Malta said, oh, look, let's keep the score close. And this Italy team, they just can't break you down. They, they simply can't. Not with the guys they had out there. Um, it's weird. I, I thought, you know, you had one good half against England in the second half. Yeah. Or no, and then you had one okay half in the first half. You they could have gone behind as well. Donnarumma made that big save early, early on. on. Yes, yeah, they could have gone. Maybe they should have. Maybe, maybe yeah, they would have woken them up a little ahead. bit. Yeah. Spain beat Norway 3-0, but Jules, this was very close until Joselo came on to bag two goals. You're right, because I, th- I thought Norway played really well without Erling Haaland, of course, and Solot. He's not Erling Haaland, I can tell you that. But he is the only living sore loss in is, he is. That was not enough, because he should have scored at least one goal in that game. He didn't. José Lu came on, 81st minute, at 32 for his debut for Spain. Incredible story. Yeah, that's the same José Lu that played for Stoke City and Newcastle United and scored two goals in two minutes. And to be fair, with De La Fuente for his debut again, did well. Especially when you think about his coaching. José Lu scored, Oyazabal is involved, Fabian Ruiz is involved, Ceballos had a good impact as well, so well done for his first game. Rodrian Odegaard is a lot of people oh, angry. Oh, yeah, that was bad, that was bad. Argentina beat Panama 2-0 in a friendly, and Lionel Messi scores his 800th goal between club and country. Gav, I have a feeling that this record does not impress you. No, it does not. Uh, combining goals, goals for club and country, not a thing. 800 goals, not a thing. the guy. Not a thing, but not still, a thing. he scored 800 no, goals. Can I give you another one? 90, I think it's 96 or 98 goals for Argentina. Uh, that impresses me. Okay. okay. This, this adding things together. But that means Not 700 goals for the club. Not a thing. Way. Not a thing. Okay. No, also, they, but yeah, for the club, but then they don't count his goal with Barcelona C and Barcelona B. Uh, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. uh, we were all excited about Zlatan Ibrahimovic becoming the oldest player to play in European qualifying duels. But then some dude from Gibraltar has to spoil it for everyone. Ah, Lee Cassiaro, I think. Lee Cassiano, yeah. He's got some Italian in him. Yeah, he's got some Italian in him, who is four days, four days older than Zlatan. 41 and 176 days against 41 and 172 days. And he has the record now. I mean, Ibra might be... Lee Cascario, Cascario record at some point, but for now it's not Ibra's record. Do you, do you know what? And much as I love uh, Gibraltar, the idea of Gibraltar, if you want to get some proper PR, keep this guy Lee, keep him moderately fit, and every game you <laughs> play, play, I know, bring him on two minutes from the History's end, make, just so that like it. you've got the you've got the record in, in perpetuity. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, what else is Gibraltar known for? I mean, other than the rock and, and stuff and gambling and tensions with Spain and That's the new, all this nonsense. I, 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 I think it's. A brilliant marketing Yeah, UEFA have opened an investigation into Barcelona for potential ethics violations over the Negrera case. Gab, should Laporta and Barcelona be worried? So I think one of the, one of the issues here is I think they kind of they had to because um, essentially the reason La Liga didn't prosecute this is because of the statute of limitations. Yeah. But there's still a criminal case ongoing. And you need to see what, how those seven million 
were accounted for in the accounts because those were the accounts that were submitted to to UEFA. Yeah. Now, if in those three years they submit their financial reports accounts and it says you know whatever uh, two point three million to Negreira for referee scouting services, if I'm an auditor and those accounts are audited, I say, hang on a minute. Two point three million. That's kind of out in line with what the market charges because yeah. we know other clubs pay referee, uh, former referees to consult with them, and so then either it's the auditors at UEFA, whatever, not doing their job, mm-hmm. not picking this up, and not asking the questions, or maybe it's not in there or it's stated differently. So that's why they feel they have to they have to look into it. Uh, I think it's more of an ethics violation, if anything, than uh, an FFP violation. Paris Saint-Germain chairman Nasser Al-Khalifi says he wants to give new contracts to Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi, and Mm. Sergio Ramos. Mm. Uh, The last two, of course, are out of contract at the end of the season. Uh, I think the other one's going to have a year left plus an option. Yeah, that's true. Is this a good idea, Jules? It's a very good idea for Kylian Mbappe, of course. (laughs) I mean, no-brainer, but good luck with that. For Sergio Ramos, let's leave Messi for the end. I would not be against, but not as a starter. So you tell him before, listen, we're happy to give you another year. Uh, and we need your experience, the leadership, because I think that has been great and beneficial, for the, especially for the younger players. And he hasn't been sent off this year, has he? he? Which is kind of a record. Yeah, did you, did you look? Yeah, you're right. I did not oh, look it up. No, I just no, no, don't I think remember. He might have got <laughs> yeah, Maybe, 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 maybe. But, but yeah, and he's been good. But just, he, he would be a year older. And again, for the Champions League games, just not sure that he's good enough anymore. And for Messi, it's a little bit the same. Of course, he's still Messi. And of course, marketing-wise, it's amazing to have. I just, in the logic of the team and team productivity and the level of your team as a whole, the cohesion, the balance, everything. I'm not sure that you can win the Champions League if you have, a again, a Neymar, Mbappe, Messi kind of front three. At some point, we said before, they just don't work. It doesn't uh, work anymore. I, I, I'm just going to refer back to the lessons of the very, very recent pass. Extend Mbappe if he wants to be there, of course. The other two... No, not because they can't play no, no, or can't no, no, contribute know, anything, but because they all said, oh, no, we have all these talented young players in France. Let's bring them to Paris Saint-Germain. Let's grow them. Let's let's build through youth. Let's have people who run and work hard because guess what? Neymar is still there, and we're not getting, we, we, we can't shift him, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is how we go and win games. But that, not with eye candy. You got the marketing bump with Lionel Messi. This is freaking Paris. Yeah, yeah, Paris yeah. doesn't need to be advertised. No, I know, I know. Let's turn to your favorite subject, guys. No, no, your Instead, favorite your subject. Favorite. Instead of Manchester United, what happened with that deadline and who is Thomas Ziliakis? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so the deadline, like we told you, is not yeah, a deadline. It's just a moving deadline. <laughs> it's not a deadline at all. The guys can do it's what they want. Line. They own the it's a living line. It's a living line. The line just you know, moves in the time. I, so this is so stupid. But then there's people in the media who, like, when, like, you know, PR man calls them, says, oh, Rain has set a deadline. No, let's all move. Like, it's just not. Have they launched their bids? Have the Qatari. Supposedly, they have bid Radcliffe. around $5 billion. Uh, supposedly, Ratcliffe's bid proportionally at the same valuation, but he's not going to take the whole thing. This guy, Zilyakis, whose net worth supposedly is around $400 million, which is more than my net worth, probably yeah. more than yours, too. Yeah. But uh, obviously, he can't just take all his own money. So. He says he's got a bunch of other investors, but they'd only be taking a portion of the club. And then his idea, it seems a little bit fanciful, but who knows? It would be very democratic. It would be like, oh, we invite everybody. If, if Look, if there's, a, if there's 100 million United fans in the world, everybody chip in, you know, $30, and then we've raised another $3 billion. Yeah, that's fine. That's basically called, or you can just go and buy the shares on the stock market. But then there's still an issue of who actually controls the club, right? Exactly. If I'm a United fan and I'm putting in money just so Ziliakis can run the club, <laughs> but then he said he's going to be an app on big decisions. No, I, I don't know. It seems. Yeah, seems like we're spending too much time talking about him. 
Germany beat Peru 2-0, and Nicholas Fulkrug scores Oy. both goals. Who's laughing now, ah, Jules? Well, no, can I have it? I'll tell you that because he misses his penalty. Oh, he also set up, he's the best on earth. He's he set up Fulkrug's thing, and also his penalty but hit he missed, the post. And, I know, but he missed and he didn't put the rebound in. He missed his pen. Uh, Fulkrug's fairy tale continues. We talked about him, do you remember, at the World Cup? Not that, obviously, he was a big success for Germany. Also, for the first goal, he stole the ball yeah. from him. Yeah, completely. How annoyed would you be if you and you're playing, you go, you dribble three guys, you're about you to imagine, shoot, yeah. and then Lumpo comes in. And but you have to pretend that you're still not cross because uh, he's <laughs> no. your teammate. Uh, the second one on the cross by, by Wolf is, is a pure number nine finish. Again, we go back. is full crook the future? No. Can they win the Euros with him? I'm not too convinced either. Is Kai Havertz the best on earth? Kai Havertz the best on earth. Roman, don't forget. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it was Peru. No offense, but you know, the limitations are there. It's not just City. The Premier League have referred Everton to an independent commission for alleged breaches of the league's profit and sustainability. Sustainability, that's tough for me to say. Rules. Basically, the, the Premier League FFP. Gab, is this a big deal? So this is very different from the city from the city situation, although there's going to be, they'll be judged in the same way in the sense they'll yeah. have a three-man independent commission. Um, this only refers to one season. This was flagged up nine months ago by Leeds United and Burnley when both were in danger of getting relegated when they said, wait a minute. They're, they then they ended up losing three hundred seventy one point eight million, wow. uh, which is far. Now that includes COVID losses, yeah. stadium losses, and so on. They're saying, how is this possible? Um, I think what it comes down to, Everton are saying, well, we count the we 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 did our accounting this way to account for the losses, and as long as you're clear about it and honest about it, the auditor should go for it uh, and 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 approve it, right? Uh, Premier League evidently finding some reason to say, hey, auditors, you guys did this incorrectly. You shouldn't have counted this or that. So it seems more administrative. It, it could mean, yeah. if they're found guilty of breaches, it could mean a points penalty. Yeah. It could even open them up to compensation from, from Burnley. It could mean, I don't know, forced relegation seems a bit much, but if they yeah. get a points penalty, obviously that would impact it. What I want to know, Premier League, if Burnley, who's not relegated, I know they're going to come back up, but if they tell you nine months ago, Freaking look into this nine months ago. Yeah. When it would have made a difference to Burnley. Yeah, yeah. That's just not fair to them. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Brilliant. Brilliant. Jules, we have new rules for goalkeepers oh, on penalty fuck. kicks. The, I think these are all Emmy Martinez rules, by yeah. the way, like made specifically for him. What are they, and do you like them? IFAB, again, never disappoints. So the new rules are, if you haven't seen them, the goalkeeper is not allowed to distract the penalty taker so you can't touch your cross but you know sometimes they put their hand they make yeah. the, the goal shake you can't touch the net either you can't throw the ball you can't do what basically Emi Martinez did in the World Cup final or in the Copa America semi-final uh, you know all of that you all can't the trash the penalty spot yeah, I, I don't know what would happen. What, do you get a yellow card if you do it? And if you're already on a yellow card, you get sent off in the penalty shootout after like two pens? What would happen? I can answer that. Yes, you would. What, so who comes in? Then? A, uh, an outfield player as a goalkeeper? I mean, I would love to. Just for that, I would love to see that gap. I would I, love to see I think see that it. part of the protocol thing, I would assume if you still have substitutions left, you could substitute in a player in those circumstances. Wow, certainly, they, certainly they, they should allow for that provision. Just for that, I would love to see it. But equally, the reason this is stupid is, I mean, unless they, they adjust the rules, it's precisely that. If the goalkeeper's already booked, it's like getting a second yellow know, for time-wasting. Nobody's going to send the guy off. I know, exactly. So you can so, talk to him. You can, if he saves it, you make him retake the penalty. Fine, but how much can you punish I know, him? exactly. So, I mean, maybe they felt there was not enough boundaries for goalkeepers in those penalties. Sure, I, I don't know, but Mike Mignon, for example, who we love, daily was not happy. I think he, he posted on social media where well, the next rules would be that the goalkeeper has to turn their back to the yes. taker and if they save them, it's an indirect free kick for the, uh, for the opposition. <laughs> like, yeah, I can, I can see his point. But he uses it. magic anyway because yeah, he's magic Mike. Magic. magic Mike. Phil Foden will be out for four weeks uh, after undergoing surgery for acute appendicitis. Gam, how big a blow this is for City? So, if I were... If, if you know the, the manager of Manchester City, there's three letters in his name. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if it's like you, being Pep, it was Gab. Yeah, it would be a massive blow because yeah. I am the biggest. I'm a huge for Foden fan. I think he's phenomenal. And I think he should play every minute of every game for City. I, with this manager, I don't know. I think Foden is useful as a squad accessory to have in there. We discussed this before. When yeah. he looks at it, he sees Mares and he sees Grealish and he sees. Julian Alvarez and yeah. Bernardo and De Bruyne and that's how he I, I'm not 
you know, obviously it's a blow because part of the rotation of the big yeah, games yeah, coming yeah, up. For but sure. um, it's not massive. It's not like losing Erling Holland yeah, or, exactly. or Rodri or whatever. Yeah. Golo Kante is back in training Woo! and actually played a game behind closed doors yeah. against adults, I presume, right? Yeah, against Charlton. Okay. Uh, yeah, which was good. And it was sunny as well. And Mason Mount was there supporting his friend with an and Thiago Silva. And Thiago Silva as well. Uh, yeah, from, from what I was told, he, was, he came through it well. He played well. It was good. It was, he needed to because he hadn't played since August, as we mentioned before. Long, it's a very long hamstring injury for him. So finally seeing the end of the tunnel is great. It's great. We're all happy for MG. The new contract? New contract. I mentioned that to you before and you looked at me with your big eyes and I were really... Yeah, it seems that with a okay. pay cut, takes less money uh, on a shorter deal, of course. But that Potter wants to keep him, and he want, he want, okay. you've always want, he's always wanted to stay in London. Right. So it's great that Potter wants to keep him. We all love N'Golo Conte. There is no rush to give him a contract. Have a conversation with him in Which, June. Yeah, but I think he's on. He wants to now. stay, he's and we'll see where he is. Do not make the mistake that because he played against the the the, the freaking whatever version of Charlton that says in whatever league they're in, in some behind closed door friendly, and only Mason Mountain Jackal Silva saw him. Don't do it now. The guy's been through a lot. Yeah, I, I don't it. think it would be announced anytime soon. Anyway, Russia have been banned by UEFA and FIFA over the war in Ukraine. We know that. So could they really join the Asian Football Confederation gap? Yes, I'm reading this later today. So the, there's two elements to this. One is they're still playing friendlies, right? Unsanctioned friendlies. But I mean, yeah, they Iraq, did, I think they played yesterday. They played Iraq Saturday. yesterday. They played Iran before that. You know, there's still players who need to play and train, right? They don't count for anything, but they're friendlies. Next summer, they're going to play in some regional tournament, again, outside the aegis of, of FIFA, uh, involving, like, Tajikistan and, and whatnot. But the president said, like, well, Europe hates us. Um, what if we joined Asia? And sometimes people jump around, right? So Israel, of course, yeah. plays in Europe, even though geographically for, for political reasons. Kazakhstan, I think, used to be in Asia. Now yeah. they're in Europe, even though the country itself hasn't moved. It's still very far away. Uh, Azerbaijan, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. um, my issue here is just all those people who say, like, politics and sport are separate. No, this is all part of the same thing, right? They've, they've been very explicit about how if the West is against them and, you know, NATO hates them and whatever, maybe they can seek friends in other parts of the world. And in Asia, obviously, the recent meeting with China, um, they're reaching out to, to, to India, to the so-called BRICS countries like, like, like Brazil, like South Africa. They're hustling. They're doing yeah, yeah, what they course. need to do. I don't have an but issue But would they be them. allowed to play in the Asian Confederation well, by FIFA? If I don't know. <laughs> it's all politics, right? Yeah. So... We have a new FIFA president who just got elected. Uh, so that gives them some muscle. I think there's countries within Asia, Asian Football Confederation, who would probably, like, like Australia, like Japan, who would probably say, uh-uh, no, yeah. no way. And then it comes to a head. And then you look at the influence Saudi have over world football right now. What if Saudi says, that, well, look, we're neutral. We're just playing football. Let them play in the AFC. You know, mm. there are countries... There's FAs, as you know, Gibraltar, I think, yeah, is one yeah. of them, who are recognized by UEFA, for example, by the Confederation, but not by FIFA. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a tricky situation. I just bring this up because I thought it was interesting. And Very interesting. Politics always reflect, or, or football often it mirrors politics. Yeah. You cannot separate the two. Neymar is recovering from injury, of course, which means more time to game. And we know one of his favorites <laughs> is Counter-Strike. So much so that when he wasn't invited to test out the beta version, yeah. he took to Twitter to complain, Jules. He was not happy at all. He said, like, hey, send a new version to the father. He called himself the father. Uh, he must be very good at this game. He Does said, mean I've the never... father? You mean like the daddy? Yeah, like I the... don't know, the daddy of Counter-Strike, I guess. Maybe he's that good. I don't know. He said, I never asked you for anything. So at least do that, do that for me. I don't know if by now he's received it. I, maybe they didn't know he was such a big fan. I'm, I'm not sure. But like... Have you gotten the beta version of Counter-Strike 2? I don't have... I mean, to be fair, I didn't have the first version of Counter-Strike <laughs> either. But I can, I can see Ney's frustration in a way, maybe. Mm. Uh, he's expected to you know, also be given everything. So to be fair, it would have been a bit of a surprise for him. Ben Foster came out of retirement to make his debut for Wrexham in their 3-0 win over York City at the weekend in the, the nation league, the nation, National League sorry, here in England. So the, the fifth division. Gab, you're going to be cynical about this? 
Well, I'd be cynical about the fact that Wrexham have a, a docu-series that airs on a channel owned by our parent company and yeah. that Ben Foster is like a major YouTuber as yes. well. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to be cynical. No, no for the fact I that... I love the, this story. I actually genuinely like the story. I have no problem with it. First of all, Ben Foster, it's not like he retired 15 years ago and people are like, ha, ha, look at the freak, right? He retired last year. He yeah. played in the Premier League last year. Yeah. Now he's 39 years old. But he was good enough to play for Watford in the Premier League. So there's a footballing angle to this. Yeah. Where presumably, he's going to be better than whoever the Wrexham goalkeeper is. Yeah. Uh, does he get added publicity for his YouTube and his media career? Sure. Yeah. And they get publicity because we're talking about them because we've heard of Ben Foster and other than that guy who writes political messages on his shoes, I'd never heard of any of Wrexham's players, right? You know what I'm talking about? Mullen, is that his name? Yeah, Paul right. Mullen. So, There's a few other Okay, yeah, I'm sure you could name more. I haven't watched the series. Uh, so, you know what? If these are people saying, like, this mutually benefits us, and there is a football logic to it, which yeah. there undoubtedly yeah, there is. Experience as well. He's yeah. certainly not doing it for the money. And he played I, for Wrexham when he was really young at the start of his career, so it's a great story. I had no idea. What is yeah. it, like, pretend a Welsh, too? Like, no, 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 but yeah. Even better. Even better. Exactly. Jules, that brings us to an end. Um... I'm going to be back on Thursday. You're not. You're taking a, some well-earned break. Holidays, indeed. But uh, we'll have more international football to reflect on. Uh, so until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/gabjewels. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/gabjewels now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/gabjewels.